hounded by a relentless press, indifferent family and a coterie of supporters who leaked the most intimate details of her life. Princess Diana struggled to find her authentic self. What no one knew at the time was that Diana was seeing a private voice and presence coach during the two years just before her death. Stuart Pierce secretly helped her find her authentic voice and taught her how to share her messages of hope, empowerment, kindness and authenticity with the world. Now, 24 years after her death, Stuart's book, Diana, the Voice of Change, throws new light on this most famous woman of her time and the most photographed woman in recorded history. Stuart Pierce reveals the real essence of who Diana truly was and shares the joy that created her immense public popularity. He shares the internal work she accomplished to enhance the radiance she shone into the world with brilliance and how you too can be transformed into finding your own authentic, shining, signature sound and radiance. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you have just joined us, welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Lembanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and our live stream is made possible by Creative Edge, StreamYard, and BeLive Media, helping you make meaningful connections. This is an audience-centric show, so whether you're watching us over on Amazon Live, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn Live, a very warm welcome to you. Do say hello. If you're brand new to the show, let us know and we'll give you a shout out. Our amazing guest today is Stuart Pierce, and we're going to be talking about his book, Diana, the Voice of Change. But before we invite our amazing guest for today, I want to first welcome my friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's a special needs and disabilities advocate and also an award-winning author. Her work focuses on empowerment and resilience. She's in Nashville in the USA. I'm in Cape Town in South Africa. So be great, you know, wherever you're joining us from, a huge big welcome to the show. And with that, Mary, welcome to the show. Hi. I am so excited to be here. And yes, we are definitely global today. We're on different continents and different time zones and all that fun stuff. And um, I'm so excited to be here with you and to meet our guest. We have been looking forward to this because we are fans of his. We are fans of his writing and his work. And, um, you know, he's a pretty special guy, isn't he? Absolutely is. So again, if you're watching the show, a warm welcome. If you are watching us over on Amazon Live, um, you will notice that our featured book for today, Diana, the Voice um, of Change, is I in the right carousel. There we like go. 
Yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And yes. you'll also notice that along with our featured book, there's a couple of other books in there. And now hopefully I'm not going to drop my iPad. But, you know, we've been <laughs> running the Writer's Corner live show for over three years. And we've had amazing guests and authors from all over the world. So you will notice that a good couple of the, you know, some of these backstories we've highlighted on the show before. So have a look through the carousel. But don't forget our uh, our book for today diana the voice of change is the very first book in the carousel yes so go get your copy yes absolutely so for those of you who may not know Stuart pierce he's long been one of the world's most esteemed masters of voice and he has helped famous people such as Vanessa Redgrave, Michelle Williams, Minnie Driver, Emilia Clarke, as well as famous politicians such as Margaret Thatcher, mm -hmm. Benazir Bhutto. She is, if you don't know, a Pakistani politician and the first woman to head a democratic government in the Muslim-majority country. And that's just one of the many luminaries he's helped. But he says that his biggest challenge was Princess Diana. So let's invite Stuart to the show, shall we? <laughs> Do you feel special? <laughs> that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I, ladies, I am so impressed by the entire mise-en-scene. It was absolutely so exciting to watch with all the, the wonderful music coming in and providing interlude. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is such fun. Oh, we're so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. And I know we have lots of questions and we could talk to you for hours, um, but we are going to, uh, we want you to tell us, you know, we have some questions for you and we can't wait to hear what your stories Absolutely. are because you've lived a very amazing life. Yes, you have. So you, I mean, you've worked with some of the most influential people over, a, you know, many, many years, 20, 30 years. I'm not quite sure exactly how long that's been, but you did say that Diana was more, one. Of a your, little more. <laughs> some more, some more zeros. But you did say that Diana was one of your biggest career challenges. Now, I want to know how on earth did you connect with somebody as amazing and phenomenal um, as Diana, what's the story behind that? Of course, and, but may I very quickly insert that she was not a challenge at all. I don't quite know where that word has crept in. I, 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 would, I would like to say that the work that I did with Dan, Diana was actually one of the most extraordinary opportunities in my entire career and indeed in my entire life, because Diana was something else. Diana was the most extraordinary evocation of love, of compassion, of empathy. And of course, during the latter stages of her life, not that we knew it was the latter stage of her life, the, the most elegant, the most gracious, and the most immediately authentic individual that I've ever worked with. Mm. Yes, she, you know, and it's, isn't it sad that somebody who exudes that much and 
side of herself that comes out toward others is very misunderstood and, and not highlighted and loved by everyone. You know, I, I, we've watched the documentaries and we've watched her story in her life and know that, you know, there were those in her life that did not appreciate all that she embodied for sure. And it's, it's really sad that that happened to her. And, you know, we do want to ask you, being able to work with her was like you said, one of the most extraordinary experiences in your life. And did you want to shout it from the rooftop and, you know, tell people about it? But, you know, what we know is that you didn't, you didn't cash in on where other people did. You waited a really long time for that. And, and what, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? And really what I'm doing is broadcasting information. I'm not cashing in at all. You know, it, it, one or two people in the press have been rather vitriolic and attitude towards me and said, oh, well, I mean, you're cashing in now. Well, um, no, actually what I'm doing is disseminating information. Um, so the way that I met Diana was through a most, is it possible to see you when I speak? Is that okay? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> She's, she's trying I, to make I, you look have, larger than life. I have worked on my narcissism over the years. <laughs> a little bit narcissistic. Um, so the, the, I was asked if I would work di with Diana around 93, 94 by a very extraordinary woman in Diana's life and indeed in my own life. And this was a, a remarkable woman by the name of Mara Burney, who alas is now has, is now dead. Mara owned a restaurant in a very salubrious area of London and was known as the sort of go-to restaurateur. I mean, for example, the stones, meaning the rolling stones, would call Mara on her personal phone, not on cell, of course, because it was before, you know, this <laughs> right. saying, you know, after a concert saying, Mara, could you make a spaghetti? And she would get up and make the boy spaghetti. I mean, that's the sort of person that Mara was. So she introduced me to some extraordinary people, you know, the great and the good or maybe not the not so great and the not so good. But one of the people that she wanted me to introduce, be introduced to was Diana. And in this, initially I eschewed it because I thought, how can I possibly be for Diana what I feel Diana needs? At the same time, she was surrounded by the brouhaha of the paparazzi, which was which was vicious and cruel and you know rather as though she were she were in the Colosseum the way she was being attacked when I say the Colosseum of course I'm going back way 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 back into Roman history um, and then Mara came to me again and said no there's somebody I really want you to meet so I said now who is this and she said well why don't you come for lunch knowing for well being a tourist boy that I love food and particularly <laughs> her food so I went I went to the restaurant for lunch and when I entered the restaurant I was full of a sense of anticipation you know very excited but completely intuitively I didn't know who I was about to meet and I remember saying to the head waiter Pepe um, where is Madame? And he said, oh, she's downstairs in the Salon Privé, you know, in the private dining room. So I said, who's she with? You'll see when you get there. Mm, <laughs> so I went down and knocked on the door and opened the door. And of course, there was Mara and there was Diana. And Diana leapt up and grabbed my arm and said, you will work with me, won't you? <laughs> it was an instantaneous. She was such fun, such a darling. And of course, I was met by her face here and those exquisite blue eyes, and I fell in love. 
extraordinary. I don't mean in an appropriate way. In a, in no, a, I know. You know, in a, in, a, in a way of being in awe, in wonder, and indeed in adoration. So I already was that, but, you know, that was all tanked up very considerably. But I very quickly said, if we work together, let's allow our relationship to be completely confidential. And the reason so being... Was that, your, was that your idea or her idea? It was my idea because she had been, she had worked over the years with a number of psychotherapists or healers, um, coaches, and then they had taken their stories to the daily papers. So she was deeply scarred with betrayal. And I wanted her to know that that was something that I could never, ever do, that I was pledging myself to her in complete confidentiality. So nobody knew. She came to me. I never went to Kensington Palace. Whenever she needed me, she called me on her cell phone because in 95, 96, 97, cell phones had just come along. Yeah. And we developed this very confidential relationship, which, of course, now in the perspective of her chronology, we see as being two very remarkable years of her lamentably very short life. Yeah. Because mm. she, she'd moved. I, I came along just as the Martin Bashir interview was broadcast by the BBC. And uh, she was immensely pleased with what she was saying in her forthrightness in her bravery and her courage, you know, there are the three people in this marriage. That was quite an, an extraordinary thing to say, you know, historically. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, she, she watched herself on screen and realized that she was appearing submissive and using this very sort of light, breathy voice. And she wanted to find something that was much more commanding, that was much more centered. And so I introduced to her the basic thesis of what we could look into to improve her spine so that she was always focused through her spine. Her breath would become open as a result, and then her voice would simply sit in its center, or what I call being in her signature note. We each have a signature note, which is unique to us. No other human being has that note. That kind of leads right into what I wanted to ask you next. Um, you know, we talk or these days, because everyone is doing live video or people are more, you know, on social media. I don't know about being social, but they're on social media. <laughs> um, and everyone talks about, you know, being or being your authentic self, um, you know, but what exactly does that mean? So you helped Diana find her authentic um, voice. Can you talk a little bit more about what it means to have an authentic voice and what that could mean for other women that are trying to find their voice. Mm. Well, I believe that an authentic voice is the voice of the heart. Rumi Very says when, when words arise from the heart, they enter the heart. When words arise from the tongue alone, they don't pass beyond the ears. I feel that we're at a very remarkable time for we people, and particularly for the women of the world. You know, there's a, just to use another metaphor, there's a wonderful Japanese proverb that says, when the women's voices are aroused, the mountains move. <sighs> I believe that the women's voices are, arou are arousing at this time, are being aroused, are being elicited. And so an authentic voice is really the voice of the heart. 
That is so beautifully said. It should be, that should be on a billboard somewhere, you know, or that should be a hashtag that people start using because it, it is so true. And, you know, we, we watch the way people, the more that we're on social media and doing things like this, it becomes more obvious the way people carry themselves and how they hold themselves. And uh, Bergetti and I are always very, we're very aware of this and um, we're aware in interviews and things that as well as you are, how you come across to people, you know, and we are trying to teach that as well to others. Um, you know, I've always been fascinated with Diana and the way she carried herself. Um, I, I've watched everything there is on her, read everything. I've always been a fan of her her, you know, I was born, we have birthdays near each other, but just, just her passion and, and what she stood for. And she had this compassion that is just unlike most people in the world. Um, but the way she carried herself, I always found, you know, that shy thing that she did, she turned her head and her eyes and everything. And you've already kind of talked to us about posture. What, what, advice did you give her to get to where she was after working with you? And um, how can other women do the same thing? Mm. You're, you're a prophetess because actually this, this front cover is actually going to be on a billboard in Times Square next week. So oh, yay. <laughs> it's Wonderful. The, the beginning of a process that I'm calling the Diana Hart Path. So this book oh. leads to another book, leads to another book. And next year, please come along, dear ladies, if you can. I'm going to be organizing a conference in New York City for the women of the world and the men of the world to come along and to embark on the journey of what the Diana Hart Path will be all about. Oh. And um, a very remarkable, very remarkable woman in the world who's an international figure, very renowned, famous lady, has promised me that she will come and be the keynote, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, there is, there is all of that happening, but at the same time, there's something very remarkable taking place within the authenticity of the way that we move. Now, Diana obviously was an archetypal cipher. What's that? Well, it's a human being who is evoked through a level of anointing, meaning that she obviously as a human being had a very remarkable role to play that literally affected the hearts, the minds, the souls of all of us, even those people who are her greatest critics. And isn't it interesting that she arose from that aristocratic basis, but never, ever, ever dreamed, wanted a very ordinary life, <laughs> never, ever dreamed that she would eventually become the wife of Prince Charles, the Princess of Wales. She never dreamed that. Uh, but in so doing, she wanted to carry the absolute immediacy, authenticity, and gentleness of her empathic nature into an institution that was emotionally very withdrawn. She unavailable. And unavailable, exactly. For all sorts of understandable reasons. I mean, I don't say this as a um, as a criticism, it's just an observation, you know, um, which isn't necessarily applicable in today's credence, because what we're all doing is looking into each other's eyes for the first time, possibly in 250 years and saying, oh, my goodness, there's another human being there. And how do we regard that human being? Are we really working? Are we really processing our whole energy through common decency and mutual respect? You know, wherever we go, we hear collaboration, co-creation, parity, equity coming together. And it's being led, I feel, by the women of the world. So 
putting it into the context of this book, why did I wait all this time? Well, again, Diana was immensely intuitive. And the last time I saw her, really en passant, as intuition often can be, I was, um, we, you know, she was going on holiday with the two boys to the south of France with the Al-Fayed, with Dodi and his father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, on that extraordinary boat. <laughs> and the kids were really looking forward to it because they're very sportive, you know. Diana was a water baby. I mean, she had to be in water at least once a day. She swam every single day when she when she could. And as she was leaving my studio, she hugged me with a sort of an eagerness that fringed on another quality of force, which was indefinable at that point. But a thudding energy moved through me. Now I know it was this was the last time I was going to see her. But in her blitheness, in her joy, she said to me, wouldn't it be wonderful if we wrote a book of all these things that we've been through for the women of the world? But let's not do it until the boys are married. I mean, it was really en passant. And so I always remembered that. And the book came about 24 years, has been printed, you know, published 24 years after her demise, purely and simply because so many women, particularly my Hollywood actresses, who have just been through the last four or five years of hashtag me too, approached me four or five years ago and said, should I talk about the way that I was maltreated by this man who was either a very famous casting director or you know, somebody of the ilk of Harvey Weinstein, et cetera. And I said, you must step forward. So I became very involved in four or five major artists in, in, in the United States of America, encouraging them to step forward. Uh, and there was one very big, big public expose that I received when the New York Times interviewed me in support of two of these extraordinary ladies. And that's when it suddenly dawned to me, oh my gosh, I have the book in my in my being and in my journals that Diana gave me that we worked on together. So that's how it all started happening. Wow. Um, you know, to move us forward into this space today, where after the most catastrophic world phenomenon, meaning COVID, um, that we're all arousing out of that rather traumatic period where we're beginning to realize I am different. I am very, very different. And I'm no longer seeing my life in the way that I once saw my life. I need to change this. I need to become truer. I need to become more raw. I need to become more joyous. I need to become more authentic. I need to have more integrity. But I don't like what's going on in the world and I really want to do something about it. I then say, be the change you want to see. I love that. And, you know, now the whole title of the book uh, kind of makes sense to me. Um, I, I want to ask if you would mind reading us a famous, you know, a section out of the book that you really, mm. really like. And then I'd also like you to talk about the cover of the book. You know, how did you come up with that? How did you decide on the colors? Um, you know, how did you work with the artist who did that? I'd love to know a little bit more about that. So beautiful. Pretty. Yes. Um, well, it was really before we sent the book into um, positioning it as an offer with some of the world's leading publishers, which, by the way, they all turned it down initially. Did they? They all turned oh. it down. So actually, 
after a really difficult um, situation with one of the world's leading publishers who had seduced us and seduced us, I say, my agent and I, my literary agent and I, and, uh, and then dropped the offer. Okay. I, I, was, I was so, what? This is yeah. crazy. Yes. I could publish this myself. So I published it myself at the beginning of last year. Okay. Which is extraordinary. You know, just as we were moving, just before we moved into COVID, COVID it, it was not even a nightmare at that point. Mm. I published it and it immediately became a number one bestseller on Amazon. And then a major publisher stepped in, a major British publisher, publisher stepped in, who publishes a lot of self-empowerment books. Um, and this is Filament, Filament Press or Filament Publishing. Absolutely stunning. So that's how it started. Now, of course, my discussions were, and this was very self-led by me and, as it were, <laughs> me talking with Diana. Um, I, I didn't want to use a photograph. We've seen all the photographs. And also the photographs are part of that squabbling arena of the paps, you know, rather like pre predatorial birds coming in and pecking. <laughs> all the time um, and I also knew that it was going to be unbelievably expensive to you know to um, uh, acquire the copyright of a photograph you know because it would have to be a stunning photograph you know sure. um, because of Diana's beauty and the way that everything that I do is beautiful I mean I, I sign my work with the autograph of beauty I feel it's an emanation of the divine you know mm. um, and so I put out amongst a group of people some clients of mine, as well as colleagues of mine, saying, could we find an artist? And I hitherto discovered three artists that I took through a very specific brief about what I wanted, was I didn't want anything sentimental. I wanted uh, a, a portrait that was actually of Diana, so to speak, now, which is why her hair is short. Mm. The colors were her colors. And uh, nobody could get it right because I realized that everybody was responding to their vision of Diana from 25 years ago. And most of it was actually um, covered by trauma because mm. so many people are still in trauma about her passing. Interesting point, something that... Very I, interesting, I very interesting. About, which is really what the Diana Heart Path is all about. Because we know at that moment there was a startle reflex within the collective unconscious. <gasps> And people are still held in that shock. Yes. And I believe it's time that we... I think we, you're right. We I believe a, you're right. You know? I, I still cry watching things about her. Like, I love The Crown, and watching that whole last season and everything about her made me cry even more for her. So, yes. I'm, I'm completely with you. <laughs> completely <laughs> with you. I'm being strong in this moment. Whenever I talk about her, I always feel... Okay, we're going to be strong her. together for her. We'll be strong. Exactly. Um, so to cut a long story short, I then found a really exquisite young female artist here in the United Kingdom, because I'm in London at the moment, and, um, and I emailed her and heard nothing from her. About three weeks later, an email came pouring through my inbox saying, oh, your email was in spam. I'm so sorry. Can we please have a conversation? And again, I felt a quickening within my being. I worked very intuitively. And... I, I emailed her, and that evening we had a conversation. And again, I fell in love with this beautiful being that is attributed and honored within the book. And she said, I know exactly what you, wear, what you want. And about two days later, this came along. Wow. That is beautiful. Fascinating. Beautiful. Fascinating. Yes. Led by Diana.
<laughs> of course. So you'd like me to read something from? I'd love just your, you know, one of a, a favorite passage out of the book. Well, the light here is not that bright. Diana gave permission for the formal behavior that stultifies love to be reinvented, for emotional aloofness to be made transparent, for starch stuffiness to be given a human face, for feeling expression to be given its rightful place, and for dismissive criticism to be turned into discerning care. Indeed, viewing Diana's life through the lens of the last 24 years, we can see what a truly extraordinary story hers was, and how her memory lives on in people's hearts, bringing joy and tenderness to all our lives, even today. Each climax and nadir of her extraordinary story appears to have been crafted by a sage writer of an ancient Greek drama. And within this book, we will explore the full significance of this extraordinary person and how her personal odyssey, the sojourn of a heroine's quest, was wrought by archetypal significance. Mm, beautiful. Wonderful. Thank oh. you so much, Stuart. I could this... just sit here and let you read to us for the rest of the day. Oh, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so eloquent. Oh, it's so I, I we're very excited for you to be here and to share this with us. What an honor it is. Um, you know, have you had any pushback from the royal family on this at all, or have they just kind of left you alone? Um, well, I did. I did tell the boys, um, of course, because I, you know, uh, I've known them for some time, but. Um, there is royal protocol, which means, you know, well done. That's all we can say. Gotcha. <laughs> at, at the moment, you know, at the moment. Yeah, they do, the, the royal family do not get involved in personal witness, you know, and particularly as something as controversial as Diana. And Diana, as we know her in her legacy, you know, through the Diana Award, through this book, through other extraordinary tributes that are being paid to Diana at this time, the royal family always remains very, very, very quiet. One can, one can appreciate that. So, you know, considering how you helped Diana on her journey of finding her authentic voice, um, you mentioned, you know, the Me Too movement there are a lot of women who have been um, silenced over the years. Um, so if there are women out there who are still feeling silenced, who are feeling disrespected, um, what would your advice be to them so that they could find their voice um, and speak out with authority? Well, the first thing is we need to decide what we wish to say. I mean, thought creates reality. And so we need to decide what is it that I want to say? Not how am I going to say it, but what is it that I want to say? The how comes much later. And not only what, but why. Because the, the unbridled passion of the free voice is right at the very kernel of what true authenticity is. So that's the first thing. I would then say share with kindred spirits share and automatically through that quality of sharing the what and the why that we begin to move into the trajectory of our own souls and hopefully those people that we're speaking to are discerning people 
who will support and provide us with provide the individual with support and love and care that's where we could start um but, you know i could go on and on and on and on listing so many <laughs> priorities but that's where it really starts um, of course what's happened for most of you amazing ladies is that you've kept your voices very unbreathed and so your voices can often be very light um, I mean, this is something that I would call a half voice, you know, because you can hear that I've cut out a lot of the resonance in my voice. And so it feels as though I'm being very light. But of course, this doesn't disturb anybody. And mm. one of the key things that you ladies, it feels from my experience of helping ladies to find their voices, is that you've often felt it very, very felt very ill at ease about the men in your life receiving your true sovereignty. So if I go right into my note here, you can feel the weight of my voice. It's very balanced within the harmony of my body, but it also has authority. It has gravitas. So yeah. as soon as we move away from that submissive thing, the first thing to do is to find out how do I breathe? Because as soon as we breathe, the breath is, is a support mechanism for positioning the sound so that we can literally position our voices in speaking just as we position them when we sing which I think is yeah. one of the reasons why the Italians say, e parlare e cantare, you know, to speak is to sing, to sing is to speak. Um, and that's that automatically, you see, when someone moves into that level of harmony, they feel so relaxed within, even though the objective may be on some level daunting, that we feel so relaxed within, as soon as we feel that harmonic balance within, that we automatically find our power, and then the passion really ignites, uh, our radiance ignites. And what's mm -hmm. interesting when we do this is the people that hitherto did not listen beforehand suddenly listen. Mm -hmm. That's the extraordinary thing. You know, I've worked for years and years and years and years um, in major theatres around the world, and particularly Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, where I was master of voice for nearly 15 years, was part of the original team that created the reconstruction. And there, the actors are actually seen by 1,600 people, normally, each performance, you know, twice a day <laughs> in season, because it's an open-air theatre. So it, 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 this is on the south bank of the, uh, of, the, of the River Thames, just opposite St. Paul's Cathedral. Obviously, it's not open during the wintertime, because it's so cold, <laughs> uh, you know, during the, during the summer season. 1,600 people are watching you, and the audience and the actors share mm -hmm. the same light. So mm -hmm. if you're not being any good, then the audience tell you. They start to get very rested. Mm -hmm. And um, what, I, what I was able to do is to open up the signature note of each of the wonderful actors that came to the theater so that they immediately became magnetic. And that's what I'm relating to, you know, that when we find our note, we become magnetic. And that I happens like when you're a singer too. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have learned so much about the vocal control, depth, and everything for my daughter who's a music major, and watched her grow into this incredible singer. And it's she. It's all of that, you know. So it's very yeah. profound. It's it's very, in some ways, it's it's small, but it's so powerful. Isn't it? Well, it, it? Yes, isn't it? You know, well, we're just beginning to re remember 
the ancient peoples believed in this because we know that ancient peoples believe that sound is at the core of creation. So mm. if sound is at the core of creation, that means we have a sound within us that is our own creative pathway. And so today, you know, what's really interesting is we know that the eye, the optic, has been used as a security device to open up channels of security. Just simply, you know, I, uh, on my cell phone, I can go straight into my bank account just by holding it up to my face. But now, voice identity security is being used because we know in cyberspace that the voice is the purest way of being able to communicate the center, the essence, the identity, the persona of the individual. Even more powerful than other <laughs> dimensions of our humanness, meaning our DNA and our fingerprint, which are obviously immensely powerful in terms of identi identifying our identity. So ancient peoples believe this. You know, in Rome, it was called persona, which mm -hmm. we use in the word personality because the word personality we know means the quality of someone's being, you know, their soul. But actually, if we go back in, in history, persona in Latin means per through sona sound. So they worked to find their voices and therefore had the right to speak. And in Rome, it meant we became persona grata, meaning you had the right to speak, or you were persona non grata, meaning you gave your voice to your master. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And how many of us do that today still? We give it away. We give it yeah. away every time that we're pleasing and want to be accepted and not confident in who we are. And, you know, I, I, I always teach about that, you know, we have to figure out in life what our truth is, not the world's truth. What is our truth? And then the rest of it doesn't matter because then you're walking in your integrity and your path. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Completely concur. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, oh. another thought that drops in after 9-11, the majority of the people that were imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay were called non-persons. Mm. Their voices were taken. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Stuart, thank you so much. This was amazing. We could talk for hours. Um, thank We'd you love for... to have you back on. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank we you for the book. It. We look forward to the sequels. Yeah. Um, yes. so I'm, already, I'm already writing the next book. Oh, good. And I want to come to New York, so I we have to connect. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have an idea that we you know that we can exchange, Mary. So I'd love to um, write uh, you know send you an email post our, our time together now about an idea that I have of um, uh, of of a co-creation. Oh, absolutely. Yes. We are women hear us roar and uh, the men who support us, who roar along with us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the way, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Stuart, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing um, the backstory of the book, Diana, the voice of change with all of us. It's a beautiful book, beautiful colors, beautiful artwork, just amazing so thank you for that and anyone who's watched the show again if you missed the introduction um the book is available on amazon um if you're watching the show on amazon live it's in the cart so it's very easy for you to simply go and get a you copy click, of click the right book. just click or swipe <laughs> just click click and click and swipe 
Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for watching us. And if you're watching the show on the replay, welcome to the replay. And thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Writer's Corner live show. Mm -hmm.